Here we are, Acts chapter 2. Before we get right into those verses, it's obviously I want to give you some background information. It's always exciting. You know, here we are, we're starting a new year. We're talking about what is not just about making resolutions, right? Because we, we understand, you know, resolutions are made to be broken, right? But we want to see some deep change, okay? There's some things that are going on or have gone in your life that, man, you want to see some deep change happen, all right? The Bible tells us simply this, and we, we briefly went over it last week, but it says, make a vow before the Lord and simply do this with it. Keep it. Keep it. Like, who hates when somebody promises you something and then they don't follow through with it? I don't like that. You don't like that. We've all been guilty of both sides of that, though, all right? But here we have, the scripture says, tells us, look, it says make a vow. In other words, change is okay. In fact, it's encouraged. We should always be kind of doing that self-inventory of our lives. Okay, God, what is it that I need to change? What are the things about me that aren't cool? What are the things about me that you, you see out of me and you go, really? You know, that, that, have you not grown enough? Have you not seen what I've done for you enough? Why are you still doing the same old, same old? So change that we're talking about here is just not merely something that we write down, but it's a change that is supposedly to happen within our heart. Uh, you know, maybe this, I want to change as a parent. I want to become a better parent, you know. I want to change as a business person. I want to change as an employee. I want to change as a sibling. I want to change, watch this, even as a Christ follower. Now, we know and understand that the Bible is true, and it teaches us this. There's one simple truth. What is that? I can do all things through Christ who, what, gives me strength or strengthens me. And, I, you know, because of that, we understand that we have God in our corner. There's nothing better than having God in your corner. There's no better corner man than God himself in your corner. But you know what I like even more so about God being in my corner is that God's not only in the corner with me, but he's with me in the fight. He's with me in the battle. He's with me in the struggle. He's with me when I don't feel like it. He's with me when I'm down and out. Watch this. He's with me, what, in the valley? He's with me in the wilderness. He's with me in the storm all of those areas where we seem to have seasonal moments within our lives. Watch this. We believe this, that God so loved the world that he simply what? He gave. He gave what? His one and only son. We believe that God became man in the form of Jesus himself. We believe that Jesus lived a perfect, blameless life for what? 33 years. After of which, of those 33 years, we believe that nobody took his life but rather he gave up his life for us. He laid down his life by dying a brutal death on a cross, not because of his own fault, but because of our sin. We believe also that Jesus died for our past, our present, and our future. We believe that even though he went down into the earth, we believe that, watch this, and you've heard this statement many times, what, death couldn't defeat him, we believe that the grave couldn't hold him and that he, what, he rose on that third day. The Bible teaches us that once he comes forth from that grave or came forth from that grave, for 40 days he hangs out with his disciples, teaching them what death and resurrection, all about it, what it was for, what the meaning of it was truly all about. During this, he's teaching them 
about waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in scripture simply tells us that you cannot leave the city, Jerusalem. Why? Because that city was filled with chaos in that moment. The city, uh, this is a city that was, um, if you were a believer of Christ, you wouldn't want to be in. But Jesus is saying, telling them, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to stay there. You're going to understand why here in just a few minutes, why it's so important for them to stay there. Jesus has been excited about this promise for so long. If you look in John, the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 16, Jesus builds up this person of the Godhead named the Holy Spirit. He's excited about him. And he wants his followers to take advantage of what he's going to give them. He's going, he, he pretty much tells them this, look, he's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to help you. He's going to remind you of the things that I have spoken. Now, let's take a look into the scripture. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, here's what it says. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Watch this. I love this part. It says all, say all, of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Rest easy, just rest easy, all right? Verse five, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Verse six, when they heard this sound, I love this, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Verse seven, utterly amazed. Not just amazed, right? Utterly amazed. We have another adjective thrown in here. At least I think that's an adjective if you're a school teacher. Forgive me if it's not, all right? In my world, it is. But utterly amazed. I mean, there's some passion right there. They're not just like, oh yeah, that's great. It's another great church service. Another great prayer meeting. No, they are just wow in this moment, all right? Now, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Verse nine, I'm gonna butcher a lot of these, so forgive me, I'm just gonna go with it, fake it. We're just faking it right through it, all right? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and um, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Now, isn't it amazing how when the promise and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit came, that it broke out such joy, bewilderment, amazingness, laughter, excitement, that the world couldn't figure it out nor define it, and they simply defined it by as the church being drunk. Now, here's how I take it. When God gets involved, it don't matter what anybody thinks. 
absolute nobody's opinion matters when God is involved. So if I have to put, some of you are really nervous, just chill for, for a bit, just chill. Now, if I have to give a subtitle to this message this morning, it would be this. I have an agent or I got an agent, all right? Now, have you ever been around somebody who is a hype person? Like, like they are the person that is so ecstatic. Like the newest movie comes out and it's the greatest movie of all time. Have you ever been, have you been that person? Right? I mean, take a look. We're, we're surrounded by this type of media and, and different things um, every day of our lives commercials all over the place. You know, uh, the 2018s, they were the greatest vehicles out. Now the 2019s, so they're better. Are you following me? You know, it's better. There's always something better. Everything's always hyped, right? Somebody's always got an opinion that says this is the greatest and best thing ever. Have you ever, like, taken the advice of somebody where they were so excited over something that you're like, absolutely, this, you know what, I'm claiming this to be the best thing ever, and I've not even watched the movie yet, and then, boom, you watch the movie and go, really? Like, what is so great about this? Now, let me tell you something. I love cream of crab soup. Does anybody like it? Hey, man, he should, I didn't even ask. My brother right here is like, yeah. Amen. All right. I love cream of crab soup. Like, I'm a cream of crab soup snob. Okay? And let me define that for you and why, why I say that. Because I'm, I'm, if I go to a restaurant, and, and I may not even know that they serve it, but if I look on the menu and it says cream of crab, guys, I need a bowl of that, or a cup, a cup, sorry. My wife says, no, you need a cup, not a bowl. You need a cup, too much money, cup. All right? So, you know, I, I get my cup. And I taste it, and I'm always, I'm critiquing. Who's got, you know, it's got to have the right flow off the spoon. You know what I'm talking about? It can't be like, pop. And it can't, you know, and then it can't just like, like you turn the faucet on. It's got to have the right mixture. You know, do I have anybody that's like that stupid like me? Okay. All right. So, so that's me, you know, I'm looking, I'm critiquing. Then, you know, it's got to have the right amount of Old Bay sprinkled on top. You know what I'm talking about? I need to see that red. It's got to be there. It's got to be floating. And you got to have a little bit of that green stuff. I don't know what it is. You know, just a few flakes of it. It's got to be on there. And then here's the big test. Scoop in and taste it. It, it. it better taste good. So here we go. This past October, we go to uh, Ocean City to this restaurant. A little pricey. All right, won't be going there too many times. All right, I'm just going to tell you. And uh, so, you know, on the menu, it's, it's some type of verbiage of like, you got to try our cream of crab soup. This is like the best stuff ever. And in my mind, I've already tasted. I'm not going to tell you who I thought at the time had the best. All right. And in my mind, I'm like, there's no way. There's absolutely no, but you know what? It's there. And guess what? I've got to get it. Wow, look at that price. I still got to get it. All right. Cream of crab soup snob, all right? So, you know, the waitress, she's coming out and she, and she oh, you want the cream of crab? Oh, you want, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's the best stuff you're ever gonna have, right? And I'm, yeah, right. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, overhyping this moment here, overhyping this. And so here it comes, it comes out and it, first look at it, it's got the right look, got the right shade that I'm looking for. It's got them little green things. It's got the red dusting on top. It looks good. Next test, 
all right, that's, that's working. You know, that's, hey, we're nailing it right now. All you got to do is make it flavorful in my mouth. That's it. And I'm going to love it, right? And I take that thing, a big, big old scoop, and I put it. It was the greatest cream of crab soup I have ever had. Now, I say that because of this. You know, we all have those people within our lives that overhype stuff. And they proclaim something to be better than what it truly is. I want to tell you here about the Holy Spirit and that Jesus hyped it up. He commercialized it. He built it up to be something that was going to be absolutely fantastic. And let me tell you this, no matter all the adjectives, because I think those are describing words, teachers, somebody nod, thank you. All right. All right. No matter how many adjectives he could have used to describe how amazing the Holy Spirit is, it's a thousand or a billion or a quadrillion times larger within your life. Now, Jesus was so excited because he knew that being partly flesh, he was only still one man and could only be at one place at any one given time. But his death and resurrection, what did that release to us? It released to us a great gift called the Holy Spirit, which is what resides in every single one of us if you are a Christ follower. Now, I'm going to do a commercial here for my sermon series that I did like seven or eight months ago on the Holy Spirit. If you did not hear that, it's a four-part series. It'll change your perspective on it, I promise you. It's awesome. You need to go to our website, check it out, and listen to it, all right? But what I want you to understand is the Holy Spirit isn't something that you're begging and pleading for God to give you. The moment you receive Jesus Christ in your life, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. Now, Jesus understood that the Holy Spirit was needed because here's why. Once he died, and was risen again, the Holy Spirit was what? Released for us so that we can then what? Experience Jesus, every single one of us, anywhere and everywhere humanity could possibly be. All right? Now, you have an agent, and that is through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, he's ecstatic over it, all right? So here's what I want to give you. I want to give you four things to encourage you within your faith. A promise, these are promises of the Holy Spirit whom I believe help change us more than anyone else. And the first one is this. If you have your outlines, you can fill in as you go on. But number one is this. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate helper, an active agent. Watch the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's there to help. He's there to guide you. He will lead you. He will comfort you. And he will what? I love this. Bring conviction. We should be thankful when we sin that we feel conviction. I mean, let me ask you this. Is that even real any longer, right? I mean, do we even feel that? Do we even feel the conviction of doing wrong within the church and within your individual lives, the conviction of sin? Or have we allowed so much compromise to come in that we have numbed that emotion in our lives? Now, I'm not speaking about condemnation. What I want you to understand here about condemnation, that's totally different. That is something from the enemy who is trying to pull you away from God. Oh, you're not good enough. You can't serve God. 
you know, you're not intelligent enough. You don't have enough, you don't have the right upbringing. You don't have the right look to be a part of that church. You, you, your social class is so low that, that, no, none of that matters to Christ. He doesn't even look at that. All he looks at what is within our hearts. Are we breathing? Are we living? Then we can receive him. Simple as that. Now, you know, condemnation is from the enemy himself. He's trying to drive us away from God, but conviction is something different. That's from the Holy Spirit, and that's trying to drive us, what, toward God. He's there to, what, help you, lead you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to even, what, remind you of the things that have been spoken. He reminds you of, what, who Jesus is, what Jesus wants to do in your life, where he's taking you from, where he's gonna take you toward. The Holy Spirit is what? He's an active agent within your life. He works what? Day and night. All he does is work for you. In your worst moments, he is working. When you feel dark and lonely, you're not. He's there with you. He's looking to bring change, but not change that can be spent, which means it's here today and gone tomorrow. He's looking to bring change within your life that is of permanence that can never leave, that can never go away. Now notice what the Holy Spirit does when he gets involved in your life. Number two, the Holy Spirit knows how to speak your language. I love that. Because how I learn and how you learn are two, to, two total different things. What I may say to you, what somebody else may say to you, we might say the same thing, but different verbiage. How you receive it is up to you. Jesus is away now, and we're gonna look here in, in chapter two and see what's happening. He's gone, and he tells them before he leaves not to leave Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. Understanding that Jerusalem is in a chaotic mess, it's not popular to be a Christ follower at this moment and be in Jerusalem. Acts chapter two, verse one says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together where? In one place. So the Bible is telling us that they get up and they go into this upper room and they're there. And there's, leave that scripture up, please. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So here they are, they're in Jerusalem. They're in a spot that's very chaotic. Uh, it's, it's almost dangerous for them to be out and about, but they're there, okay? And while they're there, they, they all assemble, the Bible tells us, in one single area. All right, now we, I look at that and I define that as this, their strength in numbers. In other words, what? They needed one another. So here they are, they're probably, you know, they're in this upper room as, as it's defined to us in the Bible and it's probably a time of worship, probably a time of singing. Not knowing what to do, all they have heard is they can't leave. They've gotta stick it out. They've gotta be here because there's something coming. There's a promise coming. And if Jesus has hyped this thing up, it must be tremendous. It must be like an awe moment, like wow. But they were faithful, storms, valleys, wildernesses, possibly that they were going through. Who knows the tension that was there? But the Bible says that they didn't leave, but they were what? In one place. Let's go to verse two. It says, suddenly a sound. I love the word suddenly. Like, here they are worshiping and then bam, 
It's like a bomb drops in that room. In a moment, right? All of a sudden, the Bible says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. Now, here's what I love. I love, obviously, we get a lot of wind here. I don't like the wind in the winter. It's extremely cold. Thank you. Thank you. We got you. We got it. But in the summertime, it's refreshing, is it not? You could be out there and all of a sudden this night, this cool breeze hit and be like, thank goodness that happened. Thank goodness. How about, how about you could be, watch, I love that this is a man-made wind, but you could be sitting in the building and the AC kick on. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that wind, right? Here they are, man. They're, they're probably in a stressful time, these people. We, we think, oh, this is the early church. They got it together. They were with Jesus. There's no problems here. He gave them a promise. Simply, they're going to follow it, right? Yeah, just about as much as you follow the promises. Just about as much as I follow the promises and the directions given through the Bible. You know what I find amazing is this, that God is continually telling me, look, I've never left you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm there with you. I've already sent the Holy Spirit there to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you, to speak life into your life. All right. But for some reason, you still doubt me. Here these people are. They're going through a difficult time. It's not popular to be a Christ follower in this moment. The church has yet to really start. Nothing has truly happened other than they're running for their lives. And all of a sudden, Jesus just looks at them and says, oh, by the way, guys, you, you got to stay. You got to stay longer. You can't leave until after what I promise comes to you. Now, check this out. This is bad. Some of you are going to be like, Pastor, you shouldn't say this, right? Last Sunday after I left here, I went through some crazy pain. And I looked at my wife. I said, we've got to go to the doctor now. Like right now, find somebody to watch the boys. We got to go. We got to go. Like I know what happens when I get there because I've had these over and over and over again. They juice me up. <laughs> and it's like, oh. All right, it's that amazing moment where the pain leaves. Thank you, Jesus, you know. And so I told her, I was like, we got to go. But here's, here's the kicker. We're driving down the road. And I want her to break the sound barrier because we live an hour away from this hospital, you know? And I'm getting impatient. And I'm like, can you pass that person? It's a double line, I don't care, <laughs> pass them. I can't take it, you know? I'm squirming, I'm, you know, I can't, you know? Some of y'all, it's the Holy Ghost. No, it was the kidney stone, all right? So here I am in this excruciating pain and we get to the hospital and she drops me off at the front door <laughs> Thank you. And I'm walking in like this. Oh, oh. And there's this lady behind the counter and she looks at me. She's like, are you in pain? <laughs> no, no, I'm feeling great. Never felt better. The one who's in pain's in the car. I said, uh, yeah, I am. I'm not very pastoral in this moment, okay? I'm just telling you. There's no, there's no compassion coming out of me. And she's like, all right, well, can I don't need nothing from you but your insurance card and your, and your ID. I'm like, all right. So I'm breaking it, I'm throwing it out there and she's doing all this stuff. She's like, all right, well you go over there and sit and somebody will be with you in just a moment. Do you know a moment when you're in that type of pain is an eternity, okay? And it probably was just a moment, but I felt like I, I, I was the only one in there. Like the only one in the waiting room, squirming, rolling. And Andrew's like, I don't know, I don't know who he is. I just, 
this is, she works there, you know, people, I don't know, I don't know. So anyway, so this nurse calls me back, she takes me back, and she's like, I'm going to make this quick for you, all right, I'm going to get you right into the room. I'm going to, so she goes, she just takes me in there, and then she gets all the information from, from my wife. And so I'm sitting there, and then this lady comes in, and she's got these tubes and this bag, and the bag is heaven to me, because I think I know what's in the bag. And she starts trying, trying, my gosh, find the vein. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like, just stick it. I don't care. And, and, and so finally she finds it. She gets in there and, and she's like, okay, I'm going to put this saline in. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We want the good stuff. I need it now. You know, and she's like, you have to wait for the doctor. Oh my gosh. I was like, look at my chart. You've seen, I've been here like four times. You know what I go through, you know? And anyway, so we're sitting there, football. They did put me in a private emergency room area though. That was really cool. I guess there's perks in that when your wife works there. And I had a TV so I could, don't, don't take it away from me. Don't take it away from me, all right? And there's a TV and I'm sitting there watching the, the Ravens game and uh, trying to take my mind off of the pain. And so here comes the doctor, slow. Starts fiddling with something over here. Fiddle, Mr. Stanley, how you doing? I'm like rolling off the bed. I'm up and down. I'm, you know, doing the whole, woo, church thing, all right? And uh, I, I said, oh, I'm not doing well. And he's like, yeah, I can see that. He's like, so you've had... Um, You've had kidney stones in the past. You think that's what you got? Yes. I know that's what I've got. I'm, I'm, I'm a pro at this, right? And he's like, all right, all right. He's like, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put the order in for your medicine. You're going to be good to go. I said, thank you. Thank you. How long is it going to be? Just a second. All right. 15 minutes later. 15 minutes doesn't sound long, but when you're in that type of pain, it's extremely long. So 15 minutes later, here this lady comes, and she comes in, and she's got the stuff. All right, she puts it in. Didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. Doctor comes in. Mr. Stanley, how you doing? It's not working, doc. It's not working. Oh, you, maybe I didn't give you enough. Nope, didn't. You know? <laughs> Anytime. Anyway, so she comes in. What I'm getting at is this. Sometimes when you are clearly anticipating something, when you are clearly anticipating something great to happen within your life, it seems like it takes forever. You know, I can't you know, imagine what this group of people must have been going through within their lives. You know, it's very chaotic. A lot of things are happening. It's not popular to be a Christ follower. But Jesus says, you know what, even in this difficult storm, this valley, this wilderness, right? This, this, this time that you're going through, uh, you need to stick it out. And I sat there and I reflect on that for a minute. And I thought, how many times maybe God has given those promises to us within our lives, but we become so impatient over it that maybe we have moved without his leading as they could have at any moment and would have what? Missed out on what is tremendously one of the greatest gifts ever given to mankind. How many promises have you and I missed out on in life because we simply did not obey the voice of the Lord? That still small voice that speaks to us that says, you know what, I've promised you this and it's gonna be fulfilled. Stick with the plan. 
Stick with the leading of God. Stick with what he's saying. In this moment, he gives them specific instruction. All right? So verse 2, Acts 2 and 2 says, Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So here they are. This mighty wind rushes in, changes the entire atmosphere of the room. The moment God enters in, everything what changed. I love it because that's my whole deal. Lord, we want your presence because we know, God, your presence, what? Everything changes. Now, Acts chapter 2, verse 3 says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So all of a sudden, what happens? Fire from heaven comes down. It's not a goosebump. It's not a shiver. All right? Literally, fire and representation of God's Holy Spirit comes down in that moment. It's a powerful scene. If you could just imagine it within your mind. And it would be a hundred times greater than what you could ever imagine what truly happened that day. How the greatest gift that Jesus promised, he was hype. He was the hype man for this thing. He was like, look, there's something better coming than me, actually. But you need to be faithful. You need to wait. You need to be patient. Because we understand that the promise of the Holy Spirit gives us so much. Comfort, love, compassion. Verse 4 says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now notice, of all these different people that were around, different nationalities, different tongues, different languages, but now they were hearing God speak in their language. When God speaks, when God talks, he always speaks what? In your language. How you can understand him how you can apply what he's got to say into your life so that what you can live a better life, a life more fruitful, a life more prosperous. I'm not talking about just in the monetary stuff. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about relationally. Jesus, you know what he said? I love this part. He says, my sheep recognize what? My voice. What does that tell me? That means in life, and I hear so much noise all around me all the time. You do too. Within your life, you hear noise around you all the time. But Jesus says, my sheep, what? They know my voice. They hear it. They know how to recognize it. Several uh, messages ago, we understood that there was a, in, in, in this passage of scripture that was happening, that when the voice of God spoke, what was it? It was a still, small voice. Boy, sometimes God's voice isn't always the loudest in the moment. It's not the one always barking the strongest orders either, is it? But Jesus says, you will know my voice when you hear it. Many of you have been hearing that voice, but maybe you've been turning it mute. Maybe you've been turning it off. You haven't liked what you've heard, but watch this. It's exactly what you've needed. The Holy Spirit knows how to speak your language. He knows what? How to pinpoint the areas that he wants to communicate to you in your life about. But what's the difference between what the Holy Spirit and what the adversary says? Watch this. Number three, the adversary wants to tell you what you're not. The Holy Spirit wants to tell you how much you are loved by Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit is over here as my ultimate helper, as an active agent, and if he's speaking my language, then the opposite would be the devil. And we understand in Revelations, he's defined as the accuser, what, of the brethren. I look at it this way. The devil's standing in front of 
God saying, really, you're gonna, you're gonna, how can you do that for them? Have you not seen their attitude? Have you not seen the way they talk? Have you not seen the things that they take part in? How in the world could you allow your son to be given up for these people? They're sinful. They're wrong. They're raunchy in some aspects. Look what they have done. You know, the Holy Spirit, what is, or the, the, the adversary, what is he? He is the accuser. He's trying to tell us what we are not. And I just see the Holy Spirit saying, wait a minute, no, no. We love him. Regardless, we love him. The enemy wants to what? Get in your ear. You will never be able to keep the change that you're looking for. You said it before, but what? You always fall backwards. You never finish. You always fail. You can't do it. The adversary, what does he want? He wants condemnation. He wants shame for your life. He wants to tell you who you are not. But I love this. The Holy Spirit, totally different. He wants to throw his arm around you and tell you how much you are loved. That you can make a difference. That you can make a decision for change. That change is not only possible through the Holy Spirit, but it's imminent through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells us that you are more than a conqueror. He says that you are what? I love this. You are the head. You are not the tail. Have you ever had that person, especially that elderly person, who puts their arm around you and brings you in tight, give you words of wisdom, show that compassion and that love towards you? And you show that respect right back. The Holy Spirit's saying, look, we have a plan. Don't worry about what the adversary, don't worry about all the other noise that's happening around in your life. We've got a plan for you. We want to see this thing through in your life. You may be going through the wilderness, the valley, and the storm, but that's only seasonal because your life here is more than what? Just a vapor, according to Paul. In other words, my existence really relies in what? The kingdom of heaven. Now, watch this. This is what the Holy Spirit does in your life. He says, do you know how much we love you? Do you know that we have this? Do you know that you have been equipped? Do you know that we have the good things for you within your life? All of this is awesome, and it's not only the reason as to why Jesus was so excited, because Jesus does not limit his relationship to what he can do in you. Jesus was ecstatic when he was telling them about the promise that was going to come because he knew that the Holy Spirit was about what he can do through you. So number four, the purpose for the power is, watch this, people. What kind of change that you, make, that you can make in your life that only affects you? I look at my life and I look at every single decision that I make. Every day, not only affects me, but it affects those who are closest around me. My wife, my sons, my church. The decisions you make, the decisions you're about to make this morning, as the challenge is about to be brought before you, are not only going to affect you personally, but they're going to affect those who you love the most in your life, your family, that close circle of friends. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says this, follow the way of love 
and eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are those gifts? They're miracles, they're faith, they're prophecy, they're words of wisdom, they're knowledge. You have this, all of it, through Jesus Christ. That's God doing stuff through you. You can what? Share faith. You can share knowledge. You can share words of wisdom. You can share compassion and understanding. You can share love, and it's only possible because of the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was excited. Something better than me, it's coming. I want you to stand with me this morning. Jesus says, you know what? It's, it's best this way. It's, the gospel can no longer come through just one man, but the gospel must come through all of you. I love this. I don't care whether you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Catholic. I don't care what your religious background may be. All I care about is Jesus Christ. Because I know this, that there is a Godhead. That is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And regardless of the denominational barriers that man has put in all of this mess called religion, the only thing that truly matters is Jesus. And the moment when you accept Jesus, you are instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there simply to equip you, to lead you, to give you direction, to guide you, to comfort you, not to cause confusion. Thank you for that, amen. So this morning, I say all of this about this person. Why? Because he wants to bring change into your life. This change, these resolutions, these things that you want to see happen, you want to do bigger, greater, you want to live better, you want to lose weight, you want to have a better budget, you want all of this, let's let God do some work inside of us. Let's allow that Holy Spirit, that third person of that Trinity, be a reality within our lives. Let's allow him to live through us. Let's make a difference. The purpose of him truly is this, because watch this, after the Holy Spirit was given, what could they, do? What could they then do? Go out through all the land and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. So this morning, all of this is said, it means absolutely nothing if you don't know who Jesus is. This communion was nothing if you don't know who Jesus is. The message, nothing if you don't. This Holy Spirit, you don't have a relationship with him if you don't know who Jesus is in your life. My prayer, my thought today, my hope is this, that before you leave here today, you would make a commitment to serve Jesus Christ and allow him to be the Lord of your life. So with every about, every eye closed, I wanna ask this question to you this morning. Here it is, watch this. You're batting a thousand on coming to church in 2019. Woohoo! That's awesome, right? 100% attendance, I love it. You're already making well on that resolution of attending church more. But watch this, kidding aside, if you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, here it is, the first Sunday of 2019 could be the, the greatest day of your life. The day where you make a change, you make a decision to say, I want to serve Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be led 
by Jesus. I want this Holy Spirit in my life that you've enthusiastically talked about today. Because I get excited when I think about the things that God has done in me. And I get excited about the things that God's done in you and what he wants to continue to do. But watch this. It means nothing if you don't know who he is. So here's my question. If you wanna know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning and you wanna make that commitment, I want you to lift up your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. I see those hands, many hands over there. I see them, I see those hands. Wow, don't tell me that God's not moving. Don't tell me that the power of God doesn't, isn't still real in this world because it's happening right, life change is happening right now because of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me enthusiastically, boldly. Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you every day. Protect me, lead me, and guide me. Equip me with what's necessary to be an overcomer. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen, amen. Now, I'm not done, I'm not done, so just be patient here for a second. We just talked about this Holy Spirit and we talked about what his role is in our lives, what he can do, what he can do through you. My prayer is, and this is for myself also, Lord, I wanna be more used of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, I want to be, I wanna be listening to that voice. I wanna allow you, Lord, to lead me in all of my life, to guide me. I don't wanna go through the motions I want all of this to be real. I want it to be genuine in my life. I want it to be genuine in your life. So this morning, it's real simple as this. If you want that Holy Spirit to be more powerful in your life, to work deeper in your life, to do these things that we talked about through the scriptures, if you're wanting that realness today, all I want you to do is slip up your hand. You can look around on this one. Amazing. Let's pray. Lord, you see every heart, soul, hand, mind, whatever it is lifted up to you today. And God, we want more of that Holy Spirit in our lives. As we leave here today, we don't leave here as we came in here because we've been challenged and now changed. So God, equip us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us the words to say. Give us the knowledge, the compassion, the understanding. Lord, use us as you use this early church to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, thank you for hyping up the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sharing it with humanity. We love you. And God, as we leave this place, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, amen. amen. We love you. Have a great week.